0: Well, we're going to continue with Moses' great speech in Deuteronomy chapter 10. At that time, Yahweh said to me, Cut two stone tablets like the first, and come up to me on the mountain, and make an ark of wood. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood, and cut two stone tablets like the first, and went up on the mountain, having the two stone tablets in my hand. He wrote on the two tablets, according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which Yahweh spoke to you on the mountain out of the middle of the assembly, and Yahweh gave them to me. I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made, and there they are, as Yahweh commanded me. The children of Israel travelled from Biroth, Beni Jachan to Mazirah. There Aaron died, and there he was buried, and Eleazar his son, Ministered in the priest's office in his place. From there, they traveled to Gad Godar, and from Gad to Jothbathar, a land of brooks of water. At that time, Yahweh set apart the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of Yahweh's covenant, to stand before Yahweh to minister to him, and to bless in his name. To this day, therefore, Levi has no protector. Sorry, has no portion nor inheritance with his brothers. Yahweh is his inheritance, according as Yahweh your God spoke to him. I stayed on the mountain, as at the first time, forty days and forty nights, and Yahweh listened to me at that time also. Yahweh would not destroy you. Yahweh said to me, Arise, and take your journey before the people, and they shall go in to possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Now, Israel, what does Yahweh your God require of you? but to fear your God and to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep Yahweh's commandments and statutes, which I command you today for your good. Behold, to Yahweh your God belongs the heaven, the heaven of heavens and the earth with all that is therein. Only Yahweh had a delight in your fathers to love them and he chose their offspring after them even you above all peoples as it is today. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. For Yahweh your God, he is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, the mighty and the awesome, who doesn't respect persons or take bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner in giving him food and clothing. Therefore love the foreigner. For you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear Yahweh your God, you shall serve him, you shall cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down into Egypt with 70 persons, and now Yahweh your God has made you as the stars of the sky for multitude. All right, well, there are a few things in this chapter to consider. First of all, some um, apparent contradictions. And um, you know, biblical scholars, there's all different types of them, but some of them are skeptics, and they like to find so-called contradictions in the Bible and like to pull them apart and try to prove the Bible's not true. And it just, it just, <laughs> there's always people that just want to do this. And I think, personally, that the reason people do this is because then, if they can prove the Bible's not, not true, Then they're off the hook. They don't have to follow God. And you know, people, they have a heart that does not want to follow God. So they need to find an excuse for themselves. Well, so they find the most dumbest things. And like there's two of them right here in this chapter. The first one is it says that Moses, you know, he chiseled out two more stone tablets and he took them up the mountain. Then it says he came down and put them in an ark that he made. And um, so here we've got this chapter saying that Moses made an ark, and people say say, well hang on. The Ark of the Covenant wasn't made by Moses. It would was made by Bezalel. You know, and you can go and read Exodus, uh, where is it? 37. Exodus 37 is where Bezalel is the one that makes the Ark of the Covenant. And they say, ha ha! There's a contradiction here in the Bible. But two people couldn't have made the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Oh dear, if you're looking to find faults, you're going to find faults. Now, I have a question for you. There's there's multiple ways of looking at this for starters. First of all, Moses is recounting something that happened ages ago. And so the Ark of the Covenant, um, the word ark just means box, that's all it means. So you know Noah's Ark, it's just Noah's box. It's just a big box that happens to be a floating box. The Ark of the Covenant, it's the box of the covenant. It's just a box with two angels on it and and two rods. And here, God's just telling Moses to put them in a box. So there are are lots of different suggestions about it, and I don't know which one is correct, but one of the suggestions is that because the Ark of the Covenant hadn't been finished being made by Bezalel, he just put them in another box. That's one suggestion. But I I tend to think... um, this other way, and I'll explain it to you. It's like when, um, let's say that you're wanting, you you get married and you you want a a home with your your new wife and you you say to your wife, let's build a house. So you go and hire a builder and the builder builds the house and then you move in and it's all wonderful and you say to your friends, look at the house we built. (laughs) Who built the house? Well, you you said, you're going around telling everyone you built the house, but no, someone else built the house. Well, here we just got Moses saying he built the box, but no, he's the guy that told Bezalel to build the box. But the, the tabernacle—I mean, the tabernacle. Moses is saying, "Look at the tabernacle that we have built, or that I have built." Well, you know, the truth is that the person who organizes it, organizes for something to happen, is the person who built it, just as much as the people who work on it. So some of this is just, you know, semantics. It's just the, the ways that language is used. And I think that these types of things are just grasping at straws because people want to prove the Bible wrong. And it doesn't matter whether there was a temporary box that Moses used or whether, you know, it doesn't really matter. The fact is what we're talking about here is is a real thing that actually happened. And um, plus this is a speech, this is the speech of Moses and this is just the way he, he said it at the time. And so he's saying to all these people that the box that I built, well, they all knew what box it was. <laughs> so anyway, it's just daft, in my opinion. But, the, the, I mean, people are trying to find these little things. And so we have another one right here in verse 6. And it says that Aaron, you know, he died at Masirah. But then, you know, people who read the Bible in detail, they say, "Ha In Numbers 12, it says that Aaron died on Mount Hor. So there's a contradiction right here in the Bible was another one of these dumb things. Because if you think about Rockhampton, for example, where I live, uh, if someone from a long, long way away says to me, like say someone from Sydney says, where do you live? I'll say, oh, Rockhampton. But if someone from Rockhampton says to me, where do you live? I'll say Coongal. Because that's the part of Rockhampton that I live. And everyone, there's no point me saying to someone from Rockhampton I live in Rockhampton. That's just dumb. And so it depends on who you're talking to or context as to which answer. Now, is it correct? Do I live in Coongal or do I live in Rockhampton? Both, <laughs> I live in both, they're both right. And so we've got here, Aaron died at Mount Hor, but Aaron also died at Masira. It says it in both places in, well, we all know where Mount Hor is, but no one knows much about Masira. Well, for me, I don't need to have an answer to that question because it's probably just the area in general that Mount Hall was located in, and there was so there's quite a lot of biblical names in the book of um, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Um, we don't know where some of those places are because they're desert locations from thousands of years ago, and there's no nothing written down except what the Bible has. And for me, if the Bible has it recorded, that's a historical evidence of a certain place being called a certain name. So, for me. Aaron did die at both of these places. It's the same place, but they're just called different names. And one's probably the more local specific name and one's probably the more generic wide name. For me, these are just reasonable ways of thinking about it. But just because we don't have an answer or a clear answer doesn't mean the Bible's not telling the truth. And so there are always going to be these types of things. We just accept them. The Bible has been proven right so many times that we trust it when we come to these little tiny Discrepancies, but for me, for someone to throw away all their faith in God because of little discrepancies like this, apparent discrepancies, is just the dumbest thing of all to do. We get to um, verse twelve, and Moses says, "He says, now what does Yahweh your God require of you?" And he goes on to say, "You know, to follow His ways, to keep His commandments, and this—that's the whole theme of Deuteronomy. A long time later in the book." in the Old Testament, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, we have the same phrase. The prophet Micah says to his people, what does the Lord your God require of you but to love justice, to walk humbly, to, to love mercy? So we see the same type of thing being repeated there. For me, the big theme of this chapter is the theme of circumcision. In the last chapter, we were just talking about how these people were stiff-necked and Moses was saying, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. And he gave them a giant big list to try to prove that they were wrong. And then in the middle of this chapter, in verse 16, he says, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Get rid of your stiff-neckedness. So Moses is now appealing to them and basically saying, soften your heart before the Lord let's get your heart right before God and go into the promised land. And I think what's really astounding is when you read the book of Joshua, those people support Joshua 100%. It's not like the book of Numbers where they're grumbling, complaining through the desert. There's something about those people in the book of Joshua that supported Joshua in the commandment. Now they didn't do everything perfectly, but their hearts were with him. They circumcised their hearts and that's what we should do too. We should circumcise our hearts to follow the Lord, to follow our leaders. It's 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 apostolic to follow your leader with, with a whole heart and um, to, to serve with integrity, with righteousness, with loyalty. These are the things that pleases the Lord. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the words of Moses, which are the words of God, and Jesus knew they were. We take them to heart. Lord, I ask that we would have soft hearts before you. We'd get rid of our stiff-neckedness, get rid of our stubbornness and rebellion. Give our hearts wholly to our leaders. Give our hearts wholly to serve you and to follow you. We, Lord, we want to be people like this generation of Israelites that put aside their, their past ways and they went into the promised land with faith to take hold of what you had for them, Lord. Let us be a generation like that, but let us also be a generation that teach our children to do the same, so that they too and those after them will follow in the same way. Lord, give us grace for these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.